give up, don't allow disaster. Don't you give up, don't you let away. Talking about a forever after. Don't you give up, don't you dare give in. Don't you give up, don't you dare give in. Doesn't it seem most precarious? Doesn't it seem such a chance to take? Doesn't it seem most precarious? I do love that song. And it's been a long time since we've played it for our listenership. Welcome to the Women's Rights in the Workplace radio show on the Progressive Radio Network at its new beautiful home in Midtown Manhattan. This is Jack Tuckner and Deborah O'Rell welcoming you back to our lair. And we hope to continue adding value to your life through our little empowering and educational show. What have you got to say for yourself, Deb? I am excited to be back. These are nice digs, good vibe. Yeah. We have a great list of topics. Great list of topics. And great. guests lined up moving forward. Especially at this time of, you know, in the midst of this kind of very early but ongoing presidential election oh, yeah. cycle. And I think we need to talk about which candidates, you know, sort of shed light on the issues of our times and which would be best for, you know, all of us progressive citizens, you know, the sane among us that want to live in a world where not just, you know, the top 0.01%, you know, have it all, and the rest of us uh, are hanging on by the skin of our teeth. Yeah. Right, right. So we, we are, you know, thank you for joining us and, and coming back, and um, we, we hope to be really a sanctuary here for you. You know, we know that we're not the, you know, biggest show uh, in the world, that you can uh, listen to all kinds of things with your time and watch and read. But by coming here, we hope you can find the answers to some of your employment questions that you won't find on any other uh, forum. So ask away. Call us on the air. You can call us at 888-874-4888 anytime. We're live now. Or send us an email. Uh, or call us in our office anytime. You can connect with us. And unlike other shows where you may have a snowball's chance in heck of getting through, we guarantee... If you call us, we'll put you right on the air and engage with us, and perhaps you'll add some meaning or value or some new distinction to someone else's life in addition to your own. So we're very excited. Um, and, you know, because we want to make this show uh, responsive to our listeners' needs, so keep those cards and letters coming in. We appreciate it. We've been, you know, we, 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 we do consider topics based on what we hear from um, our, our listeners. Um, but and, and speaking of listeners, you know, there's one thing I wanted to, add, to, to put out there. If anyone wants to help us with our show to become a radio producer uh, to you know of fine progressive content, we'd love to hear from you. You know, we're here trying to do the show. Obviously, we're we're not. This is not um, particularly you know remunerative engagement. We're not getting paid for this. We have a lot to deal with to get shows as everyone does in the progressive radio network shows up each 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 week and so um you know if you want to contribute to this whether it's uh you know building a career building your cv or resume a career in broadcasting and so forth you could help us book guests uh line up material for use while we're on the air interesting sound bites etc you know like you're if i'm the mm -hmm. if i'm if you're my robin Givens and i'm your howard stern 
Who's the guy from Private Parts that did all those sound effects and helped them Gary. put the Or is it John or somebody? Well, yeah, there's a couple. Gary and John and... Gary. Remember. Billy West. Billy West. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. When we need somebody, would be awesome. And you know what? Listen, at the beginning, well, I'm talking about an internship. It's obviously not. It's a, and, you, and it can be done remotely. You don't need to be in New York. But if it's something that interests anyone who's listening or you know someone who might... Um, we want to step up our game in providing this information. So we're just putting it out there. We're looking for a producer, someone to help produce this show. And let's team up if you're interested. Yeah. And that might be a terrific sort of symbiosis or synergy. Or, and uh, together we might do great things. So very excited. So I'll mention this each week. But if you want to, um, give us a call. You don't know. This might be in the right place at the right time for you to mm-hmm. find your passion. A lot of people are looking for something to do beyond um, you know, what they're supposed to do. And this might be it. So looking forward to hearing from you. Either call us here at the station, call us at our office at uh one eight six six FEMLAWS, F E M L A L A W S, uh or email us. It's Deborah is D O R L at women's rights and dot com. I'm Jack Tuckner, J Tuckner at women's rights and dot com are easy to find. Next week we will have a guest here with us. We don't this week. Next week we will have Ron Catter again with us who is a great lawyer, uh, great lawyer, great guy. I wanted to bring him back on our show because he's handling right now the lion's share of the Legionnaires cases, the new Legionnaires cases that are have recently gotten us New York residents uh, too nervous to back, at least I am, to walk under those dripping air conditioners where I used to think that's where you first got you know Legionnaires disease from every time a little air water dripped on my head. I used to go to an immune infectious disease specialist to see if I had Legionnaires disease because it really it's a virulent bacteria. It's sort of similar to um, pneumonia, but uh, it's a killer virus. So Ron is representing 12 of these individuals who recently became infected with the uh, bacteria, and um, he'll let us know how those cases are going and what to do if you're seriously hurt or sickened through no fault of your own or someone you love. Um, Ron's also... Uh, an elder abuse expert. So, for those of us right now dealing with family members who may be in, insti- you know, in, in ho- nursing homes or assisted living homes, or just have a home health care aid in their own homes, and you may suspect that they're not being treated the way that you would want them to be treated, these people that you love, um, Ron has a lot of useful information about that. Represents again people whose family members have been victimized by elder abuse. And by the way, Ron is a tall, handsome attorney with absolutely great hair. <laughs> and I've always said, as you know, all of the things being equal, best to hire. You have hair for radio. I've, thank you. That was very love, very nicely done. Right? I've, exactly, hair for radio, um, which means it's not Ron Catter, really thick, strong, and powerful hair. And listen, all of the things being equal, wouldn't it be best to hire an attractive lawyer? Because you know, you, with great hair, you may be forced to stare at him or her for days in court. So you know, why have a mad? Ugg lawyer, if you can otherwise avoid it. Entirely unnecessary. Um, And then the week after, we have another attorney, but also a good guy lawyer, a civil rights lawyer named Philip Hines, who is... Yeah, these are white hat of lawyers. Well, white hat lawyers, that's right. right. Even in our dotage, we now know white hats versus bad hats because we're cool. Oh, black hats, thanks. We don't know it that well. (laughs) So Phil Hines is a highly experienced and respected civil rights contract and employment lawyer, and he'll bring his unique perspective on lawyering for you to enjoy. You know, that's what we really try to do here. It's not just the talking heads about bringing lawyers on to bore you to death and, you know, who among us vote for or like to bring us another lawyer that's the 
class of people we want to hear from. We try to bring lawyers who are you know, uniquely quality, qualified attorneys to educate and empower you, and of course, free of charge. It's one of our goals of the show, to bring useful information that otherwise people can't often find without paying an attorney all kinds of money for a consultation. So, Deborah and um, our friends and listeners, it is a new school year, as we know, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody has recently just started school. It's September. It's the second day of autumn, I believe, or the third day. And I thought it would just be timely and also very important to simply refresh everyone's memory or understanding of Title IX, which a lot of people don't even know what it is, or if they do know what it is, they think, is that have something to do with college sports and women and opportunity to play if you're a girl? Actually, yes, but no. That's a small, actually a very small aspect of what Title IX represents, even though it's the most well-known because of the power sports and the money involved and all of that. Uh, you would think it would be more known for its preventing or attempting to prevent sexual violence to our children, but it isn't. It's starting to be, people are starting to become aware of it. Um, and this is all, throughout all schools, primary, secondary, collegiate. Uh, what Title IX, and you were mentioning some statistic, by the way, that you, that you Yeah, I had just heard on NPR this morning, and i that's what I should have just looked up. But um, there was a study that was just released, and uh, you have to go on NPR to find out what it was. But okay. it, was a, it was substantive in the sample size, like 50,000 students. And the um, glaring and frightening statistic, one in four... Uh, women have been um, abused in some way, uh, one in four on college campuses. Well, wasn't that one in four reported it and it was a higher number of unreported? Well, I, I would have to really okay. look at the numbers, but this was just who told the, um, the people doing the survey whether they reported it to the campus less than 10% actually reported, especially if there was some sort of, you know, alcohol involved because fear that they will not be believed, that they will be blamed. Slut-shamed. Exactly, that kind of thing. But it was really shocking. And what makes this different is that this one, they really looked at state colleges and universities to the Ivy Leagues um, nationally, and... Some schools, uh, it's over 30% of women have experienced some sort of sexual, unwelcome sexual, sexual, you know, advance, could be verbal, could be physical. Right. It's, but the, the numbers are really staggering. But yeah. whenever you look at them, just because even yeah. over the course of a lifetime, it's just like, really? This is what, I mean, if it were happening to us guys, I don't think we'd put up with it, you know. I mean, it really just seems like there should be, you know, there should be a parade for it, you know, or a telethon, right? There, there should be right. something. There should be something. That, and, if, you know, it seems to me that if we have, if you have a person in your life, a woman who you love, or, you know, who is going to school soon or is in school, um, I think it really behooves you, as it does all of us, to kind of know and have your child understand in advance uh, what your rights are. Know your nine as it's as, yes. as the, um, the organization. In fact, uh, I will I will bring you now. Uh, this, these uh, bullet points by Dana Folger and the folks at knowyour9.org, which is knowyour1x, the Roman numeral 9.org. 
basically just a cute way of there are nine basic points to remember, um, and it would be sort of a more basic understanding of your rights as generally as a female, although it's not sex-specific, uh, to go through your educational experience free from the encumbrance of being harassed, being attacked, being hit on, or having unequal opportunity. Number one, oh, and by the way, I did an entire show on Title IX on June 30th, 2014, an hour, uh, which I think it really delved into the history, uh, had some clips, and I think it was, you know, well, I don't know that I was not mansplaining it, but I think it was fairly uh, extensive. So if you feel like, you know, watching, listening to that, you can find it in the archives of prn.com.org. Uh, what are we? prn.fm. Thank you. prn.fm. And look for us, Women's Rights in the Workplace show. Number one, what is Title IX? It is a landmark federal civil rights. It's a landmark federal civil rights law that prohibits sex discrimination in education. But it's not just about sports. It addresses sexual harassment, gender-based discrimination, which can be all no, a number of things, and sexual violence in schools, which are primary, secondary, and collegiate. Two, it doesn't just apply to females only. Males and gender non-conforming students are mm -hmm. also protected. So it really, anything to do with sort of your gender and sex, if you feel you're being treated differently as a result of it, Title IX will protect you. But generally, of course, used most because mostly young women are the victims or survivors of sexual violence. Three, schools must be proactive. They can't just wait for something to go wrong, which they tend to do, but they cannot. And the latest, uh, or the policy prescriptions, the White House has been involved in this last year when the reports were coming from Ivy League schools that the numbers were out, out you know, and, and there's no difference. Ivy League schools to the community colleges, the numbers are staggering. Yeah. Um, four, schools must have an established procedure for handling sexual harassment, sex discrimination, and sexual violence. Many have not. Now they are all getting their act together because Title IX, the law, requires it. Five, schools must take immediate action to ensure that a survivor is able to safely continue her education. Let me ask you a question, sure. not to interrupt, and then you'll repeat that one again. Sure. When was Title IX passed? Um, oh, I forget now. Like, I was in my but title. it was, but it wasn't it in the seventies. Title nine, I believe, was in the seventies. Right. But so my it? whole point is not that you know to know the specific year, but I do recall it was somewhere back then, and we are still thirty, forty years later because I can't do math. Seventy-two. Seventy-two. Right, I was still in right. high school. Right. And um, it passed. And there are still colleges that have no plans, right, no that's protocols, right. that's, that's no right. anything. Right. And that is why right. most of this came to light. Right. Or the event that brought attention to this issue and the what colleges were not doing was when, and I'm going to forget which school she went well, to. Columbia. Columbia, I was going to say. The Columbia grad, uh, college student who was carrying her mattress around. Right, right. As a uh, performance piece, right. uh, art, but which was speaking to her rape. Her rape, that's exactly. right. Exactly. And how the school right. had no process, no protocols, no anything. Right. And that's what brought this all to attention. Right. So even that though. That was last year. So yeah. We're not talking well, about that's the what old I'm saying. days. But that's what I'm saying. It's just been right. recently that's right. that 
this right. is being brought. But the law was actually passed forever right. ago. Right, And exactly. nothing right. has well, been done. The law passed forever ago. Except for sports. Right. And Except that's because sports. men are interested right. in sports, exactly. if you ask me. Exactly. And, and even with sports, of course, women draw <clears> the, the significant short end of the stick, obviously, right. from they're not getting anywhere near the money. The coaches or the teams are getting in whatever right. they call the the big, the top schools in men's uh, collegiate sports, the big six or whatever they call them. Right. So um, you're absolutely right. And it so took I just want to point that yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that that's really... Uh, because the law is there, but there's zero enforcement. And because, and part of it is, it's like which comes first, the chicken or the egg. If there were some mechanism, some structure, some place that women could feel comfortable that they would be believed right. that this actually happened, they might report it. Right. But because they don't report it, there's no pressure on the schools to actually begin to address it. Right. Or they can hide it, right. pay it off, right. hide the whole thing. And why do they hide it? One, well, one reason. Well, one reason why they hide it is because you're, it's all it's big business, and obviously, if you were well, they publishing, don't deter they don't want to deter enrollment. Exactly, that's the, the which reason. is why the schools that have thirty percent um, assaults on campus, right. You know, are going to be the ones who are really vocally disputing this new exactly. survey. But what's outrageous is it's us again. It's our kids. Right. So when it comes down to our kids are being assaulted. Our daughters are going to school and being raped and sexually assaulted. It doesn't really matter whether it's a fraternity or sorority if they're drinking too. I think most of us understand that type of complicity. You know, if you're if you you say no, you're 18 years old. You don't have to have sex with six guys or one guy or someone you don't want to when you're violated. The difference between that and what we do generally in our every day in the workplace is if you're sexually harassed. If you're sexually abused in the workplace, there are now the mechanisms. They will take it seriously because the exposure and the attorney's fees and everything that's involved in the, that type of defending the type of action, what it might mean reputationally. In schools, because this isn't the same economic piece because your, the students are paying, right? So the students, you're not paying the, the employee like it is where we're paying you when you sexually harass someone. Hit the bricks, brother. You're fired. And don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. In in college, when you say this kid was drunk and blah, 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 but they don't want to run the kid out of town on a rail. So still t today, they have these informal hug it out right. mediations that are just, you know, it's just I'm speechless. Pointless. We talk, right. and they're, they're pointless, but they also, of course, victimize the victim of the survivor exactly. the second time again. Exactly. And they're the ones who drop out and end up leaving way more often than the perpetrators. Exactly. So back to number five of Know Your Nine was schools must take immediate action to ensure that a survivor is able to safely continue her education after she's assaulted or harassed. Six, schools may not retaliate or let someone else retaliate against a victim. Seven, schools may issue a non-contact order against the accused. It's sort of like um, a restraining order that the school issues against the perpetrator saying you can't go near her. They're entitled to do this under the law, and if, obviously it's a good idea if it keeps the victim going to class and feeling safe with sort of a, you know, a uh, circle of whatever around her where you can't uh, cross over. <clears throat> Eight, in cases of sexual violence, schools are disallowed from encouraging an informal mediation of the complaint rather than a formal disciplinary hearing. 
right? Was formal disciplinary hearing should, it, and that's that's again, this is completely separate from whether the administration calls the police or the victim I was just, does, I was right? waiting for you to go through all nine yeah. and then okay. say not. Right. We're, okay. Finish the okay, last. So one. the last one, nine, is the schools cannot discourage you, the victim, from continuing your education, as you have a right under Title IX to remain on campus and pursue a full education, all that you want, extracurricular without any worries about the fallout of the residual or anything about your attacker or his buddies or whatever, to feel like, you know what, the way that people in our world and the workplace often feel, once you complain about sexual harassment with your, you know, your boss, there's backlash. there's backlash, and even if it kind of can be fixed, it kind of can't be fixed because you're sort of implicitly threatening us and you're a time right. bomb and... You know, now it's all fucked up, right? Like, now you can't really work here anymore because, you know, you're victimized and it's just going to get bad. And often that's what happens. There is a separation, even if it involves some kind of negotiation and some exchange of money. But the schools, again, it's not about that. These, these students are paying to be there. But because the schools don't want to have to deal with it or have a reputation for it, they tend to sweep this all under the carpet. So it's important to know your nine if you have a kid who's going, who's in school or going to school, why? Yeah. So here. Yes. So why wouldn't one of the nine be the school must notify local police when there has been <clears throat> some kind of? Well, it, because because the rape. school doesn't have to notify the police if it doesn't. It may not, and I'm playing devil's advocate rise to the level of a criminal act because it still can be if you're being harassed at school by some sophomore and you're a freshman who every day is meeting up with you on the walkway and you know hitting on you for lack of a better phrase over and so over so it doesn't hit the level of contacting about the police criminal. sexual se- the, the but the, they but like a workplace they must provide right. a safe environment so that's what title 9 does is generally provide a safe environment should there be some sort of criminal act right the it, school would then or is the student the one who is responsible for calling the police well, or is the school i i would you know i don't i don't I don't think that I mean, there is a specific answer that's not because it is not embodied in the statute known as Title IX. But I think that I would venture to say, and it's a case-by-case basis, and most of the time the school, even when it involves, um, uh, you know, multiple rapes, what's the term? Gang. Gang rapes of women in those, in those, you know, those few cases that are notorious for football teams and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, when they and they they're still reluctant to turn it into a national news disgrace story, but but much of the time the average sort of Title IX case, so so to speak, may not rise to the level where a prosecutor says I'm I'm throwing the book at this guy and indicting him, you know, on the spectrum of sex crimes, at least in New York, the lowest level sex crime, okay, where the top one is rape in the first degree in New York is a Class B violent felony, which is the same as robbery in the first degree, attempted murder punishable by 8 and a third to 25 years in prison. On that same spectrum of sex crimes, that's the most serious. The least serious is called is a, is a crime known as sexual abuse in the third degree, which is in New York a, a, a misdemeanor, meaning punishable by, you know, at most up to, if it's a B misdemeanor, I think it's six months or maybe it's 90 days in jail. And all of it, all it requires is that someone touch you, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, touch you in un, in unwelcome in an intimate manner, non-consensually, which includes if somebody plants a quote-unquote kiss, which I won't call a kiss if it's not you know welcome, but if someone puts their lips on your cheek 
and p- kisses you, and you know, and you wipe it away and say, "Give me permission to put your stupid, you know, your, your gnarly, disgusting lips on my face." That's you know, that's sexual abuse in every state, by the way, because I didn't give you permission. Now, will most cops and prosecutors run after that? P- probably not. And even if you reported that, they might say, you know, come on, especially depending on the situation. But it is a crime. So I'm saying that I don't think the school, if you made that type of report that this happened at a party or I was, you know, I'm being, this guy is, I'm being a stalker now, although stalker is often illegal in New York, it is now stalking. But but that's secondary. And it is usually up to the adult victim to call the authorities. But you mm-hmm. would think if the school had an allegation yeah. of rape, if the allegation, though, is rape and then, the, you know, the kid's going to the hospital for a rape kit and is, you know, and, is, and it seems to be very serious, yeah, you would think that they should be obligated to want to, whether it's in the newspapers or not. In fact, you should be the one who says, we're doing everything we can here on this right. campus to make sure this doesn't happen. Will student, prospective students think then that the school is, a, you know, their killjoys? Maybe, right, if it became a kind of place where there was no, you know. With a zero tolerance. No, zero to, well, zero tolerance, no fraternizing, no booze, no parties anymore, the type of things that even the 18-year-olds come in. And I read something from one of our interns who went to that I think, University of Florida party school that just said, you know, freshmen, women included, have mixed feelings about all of this because they want to be liked and want to socialize and want to meet boys and all of that. But it doesn't mean that you should be uh, right. accosted. Exactly. So um, that was your Know Your Nine. So the beginning of the school year, just remember, Title IX is a powerful law. You know, we don't hear about it as much as the, the law that we talk about on this show, the federal law known as Title VII, which is the Civil Rights Act of 1964 as it applies sex discrimination in the workplace. But that's really because of money again, because those cases yield more for the attorneys that bring the cases, so there's more of those cases being brought. What a surprise. But... Um, Absolutely, you should not. If I could, all I could say is, and maybe this will be in the back of someone's mind, and maybe one day it'll make a difference. And I know that oftentimes it doesn't. And who am I to talk about it? Although, as a, even as a man, as a father of a child who was sexually assaulted in really one of the more severe ways, and who had to struggle with that myself in terms of my own child's, you know, all the things that someone goes through as a survivor, the unwillingness to come forward, to name the perpetrator, to just to be in that dissociative kind of traumatized state where you don't even, talk, you don't even want to talk about it for six months, and it and actually eats up in you, but you can't deal with it. Um, there's a lot to deal with in sexual assault, so every most, most universities these days, way more than when you and I were in college, that have, you know, have the Title IX office and lots of activist students to help. So it is a much better time to be in school. But just be aware, and you do not need to, like, wait for three strikes and you're out if you're being sexually accosted or treated differently as, as a woman or as a nonconforming gender person in college or in high school. So um, we wanted to start also on this uh, each week to talk about the presidential race and just do a segment, and we'll just spend a little time on it today, about who's the best candidate for women's issues, for women. And when I talk about women's issues, it always really, to me, means, you know, all of our issues. How can we all have a better life? Women's issues are human issues. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I think I read that on a pepper sticker. That's right. (laughs) Women's issues are human issues. You know, Kel Surprise, again, it's unbelievable that we may, it always seemed to me that that's like, it's like if you can't relate, well, I'm not a woman, I'm not, you know, white male privilege, then how can you really relate? So you say things like, all the Republican candidates say, like, they have no clue. So they're all against 
access to abortions. They're against Planned Parenthood, including, of course, Carly Fiorina. So that's the point. Does it matter? Um, you know, would, should it be a woman who is our next president? Because the woman clearly is going to be much more um, proactive. That's the assumption. Well, but of course it's it's a wrong assumption. All you have to do is you look at the one female on the GOP ticket, Carly Fiorina, who, I mean, would be an abortion, to use uh, the term sort of advisedly, with uh, as a candidate. I mean, she is against... What are the three? She gets she gets She's all against X's. She, abortion and pro twenty week limit against uh, any sort of uh, reproductive rights and birth uh, control. Birth control and um, oppose what is it? Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. Defund Planned Parenthood. Defunding Planned Parenthood. And let's just That's say I just want to right say now. I need to say as someone who has experience as an attorney with the wonders of Planned Parenthood as an organization. This whole thing, first of all, Carly Fiorina at the second so-called debate, Republican debate last week, talked about, again, that same canard, that bullshit, that outrageous showing a, I, I think it was, I, I think I read that there was, it was either a stillbirth or a miscarriage, some video of the, you know, the flipping arms yeah, of the I baby that was born. But had nothing to do with what she was talking about. Planned right. Parenthood doesn't take the cut off the arms of little flipping just born babies. So the whole thing was, you know, doctored as they did. They've done right. many times in the past to shut down progressive, you know, not for profit organizations. Planned Parenthood spends what ninety five percent of its time throughout this country dealing with women's health, yes, prevention, and even the, the little bit that they do in providing again. Three percent. And even that is important. It's always important to us. It's so important to the Republicans when it's their daughter who's knocked up and they want to take care of it. Then they, they have the money to find the place and the doctor to do it. The fact that now there's, what, one clinic left in the state of Texas for people right. to draw. You know, it's just outrageous. We'll be back to back alley abortions. I don't understand the level of misogyny right now, even in 2015. In our culture, it's just it's shocking. You, know, you look at all these, what, 15 candidates, the Republican candidates, and they're all just like, over-the-top anti-woman. And again, you know, I know because I, you know, I was, I was looking up, I was Googling online earlier um, the, what was I, I looking up? It was about with, uh, uh, oh, the uh, climate, climate change and that recently, oh, 29 climate change scientists, I think it was last week or that's when I heard it on either NPR or Tom Hartman, but 29 climate scientists wrote a letter to President Obama saying that what he should do, and I forgot which, which, senator, um, which senator came up with this idea. Why don't we use RICO? RICO is the Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organizations Act. RICO, that's the statute they used against the mafia. That's what right. it was enacted for the mafia. Right. But it's also been used against to big tobacco when they were lying and deceiving all of us, killing us, to stop the liars from deceiving the public. So 29 climate scientists said, dude, to Obama, why don't you, you have the juice to do this, why don't you use RICO and go after these liars that are saying, clearly without now, when we know that they're lying through their teeth, the, I'm not a scientist, there's no man-made global warming, and go after them, as we've done with all the black hats in the past, that have made the world a un, more unsafe, terrible place because of their own venal and greedy, mendacious, asshole, you know, their own agenda. And when I Googled that to find the letter, which I found, um, very lovely one-page letter to President Obama saying, this is, get serious on these guys. I Googled it. The first page on Google 
were all right-wing sites saying, like, you know, the climate scientists, quote-unquote. And they were all saying, like, these unbelievable, they were just ragging on these scientists. But the whole first page, except for, like, Huffington Post, maybe on page two. So just like there's way more angry right-wing talk radio than there is progressive in this country, and I'm assuming... You know, there aren't probably too many rabid Republicans listening to the show. Feel free to call in and explain yourself if you're someone who f- is not a billionaire and, and likes women and believes in equality, at least in principle, and still is, you know, voting for Ben Carson or Trump or any of these guys or gals. So back to Fiorina. Fiorina obviously is. I mean, I'm more female than she is in terms of what you would stand for, just like I always say I'm blacker than Clarence Thomas because the Supreme Court justice, who's an African-American, doesn't seem to like people of color. He doesn't vote for them ever or things that would benefit them. So it's not Carly Fiorina. So back to, and I'll just state right now because Deborah and I will state for the record today, this show endorses Bernie (laughs) Sanders. This show endorses Bernie Sanders for president and you know, it's not because he's a Jew from New York or because he's a quote-unquote, you know, democratic socialist. Well, that's, you know, the he's Jew from New York. He's an independent anyway. He's an independent, right. Well, he's a democratic socialist, I think, is the he way he identifies it. The, yeah. No, I, I know that, but I mean... Democratic socialist. So, so, but but um, the reason, and we'll explore this more as, to, and I, we, you know, we'll be celebrating madly if he's, of course, and you see how he's surging, if he's actually the candidate. And what I really look forward to is the Bernie Sanders Donald Trump debate. It's going to be huge. It'll be huge. It'll huge. be huge. Right? It'll huge. It'll be huge. You know, we'll have so much fun. We're going to get tired of having fun watching that. Um, it's going to be great. So, but it is. I think that Bernie Sanders actually stands for. You know, and I'll just say this. Then, you, if if Bernie doesn't, if Hillary's the nominee, you and I are going to, without any equivocation, support her. She robustly. was great. She is great. She is, she great. is totally great. For, uh, for all the right reasons. Right. It's just when Bernie entered the race, he's just well, but, but more Bernie's, preferred well, because you know, he's got he. The fact is, and what put me over the edge because I really would like to support a woman, but he is not taking PAC money. He's not being bought right, by right, the bankers. Right. That's right. And that's right. he also that's so that to me is the first big thing. Right. So. Uh, I like that his average donations are $33, and he's still got right. plenty of money, and right. he's pulling in record-sized right. crowds right. from everybody. Right. Um, and also his voting record over the last X number of years. Well, his voting record for decades as yeah. as, as the mayor of Burlington, Vermont, as a House, as a congressman, and congressman now as a senator, and then senator. has been you know, just uniformly progressive. I mean, he's never even screwed up once. It's not like, you know, he didn't, he voted against the war in Iraq. He votes constantly the way the mensch the, that he is, the way the, the, the human being, he always thinks of people first above money. Right. You know, and his campaign is not just about him being elected. It is creating us, a right. revolution right, a so revolution. that a political revolution, that's right. the other bumper sticker right, I have, right, Bernie right. and political re- revolution, right. because whether he wins or whether he loses, the the um, the gears will have started turning. That this won't be able to shut off. You're not. It's like right. you know, um, groundswell. Uh, Ross Perot, right. Rand Paul. I'm trying to think of the 
you know, Ralph Nader's. They didn't start revolutions. It really was about them and their ideas. But they didn't create a momentum, a force that continued Grassroots on. Grassroots movement. Exactly. So that if he is elected, it's vitally important that he has the support to keep this going because it will be bumping up against a lot of resistance. So right. therefore, you need that right. that um, that support right. in place. Well, and <clears throat> if he loses, you need that support so that, you know, if he's not the nominee and it is Hillary, that this left, Right. Left side right. continues on That's right. with some kind of power but, and force. Right. But I fear, as he does, is that that momentum will probably dry up because there's so much momentum and power and force and money on the other side, which is where we've Well, excuse we've me, though, to. but I want to say, with all the, the power and force that Scott Walker had, and he had... Big Daddy, you know, Warbucks, right. the Koch yeah, brothers exactly. backing him, right. and he still couldn't get anywhere and had to drop out right. with all that money behind him. Well, look, him. he's a ghoulish sociopath. I mean, come okay, on. Okay, well, whatever his, but, right. okay. you know, but failings but true. are, true. he had, but, everybody but, thought, ooh, but, but that's they're the back point. in well, Scott. Been, well, we've been, I've been talking to Bernie Sanders when people were saying to me six months ago or two years ago, who? I mean, I've been listening to him, you know, weekly on Tom Hartman for nine years. You know, he gives, he's the one, he only, he, how many do, he gives town hall meetings once a week for nine years. People call up, he gives answers. He's a regular guy. great guy. And where, you know, Hillary obviously has, in fact, there's an article here that was from HuffPost um, this month on why Bernie Sanders is best on women's issues by uh, a female journalist, Heather Gottney. And I'll just say, it just starts out, women's issues are taking center stage in the lead-up to 2016, as they should. The conservative war on women's health and reproductive rights has raged on for far too long. And in all measures of social and political inequality, we remain what number crunchers coolly term disproportionately affected. Many people believe that electing a woman president will help. I'm not so sure. Does breaking glass ceilings constitute a real political strategy that's capable of improving women's lives? And does voting one's gender really translate to voting one's interest? And then she goes on to consider the issues. And when you just look at just some of these, let me just jump right to Bernie Sanders has consistently fought against Republican attacks on reproductive rights. If elected president, he would increase funding for Planned Parenthood. He's vowed to only nominate Supreme Court justices who uphold Roe v. Wade and plans to expand women's health programs and access to safe and legal abortions. Clinton has also been out front on reproductive rights, but her historic refrain that abortion be safe, legal, and rare has only served to stigmatize it and justify conservative efforts to impose legal restrictions. Um, I'm sorry, this was, I don't know what happened to the second page, which I thought I, you had given me, but I don't seem to have it anymore. on the other side? Okay. Oh, it's on the other side. Thank you very much. That's where the second page was, on the other side. <laughs> um, so, uh, let me just see, because here I didn't... Uh, well, it's, it's also for raising the minimum wage, because women... Uh, represent more than 50% of the people right, who work for right. minimum wage. That's right. And they also represent, I'm going to say three quarters, but it's like 70-something percent of tipped workers. That's right. And that is really the big issue. It's not just that they're half of all the McDonald's That's crew. Right. That's right. They are the majority, far right. and away, the majority of tipped workers who, even in New York, 
what is it, you know, $2 an hour? Um, it's like $2 and change or $3 and change is the minimum wage for waitresses. The employer is supposed to pay and make sure that the they tips have add up to the that the wage. tips add right. up, but that obviously doesn't right. happen. So he, I just wanted to just finish this so out. So that's with why raising the minimum wage and exactly. all wages right. is a, a is a critical piece. Right. And for he's for women. raising it to 15, she's for raising it Clinton supports a $15 minimum. Which but only sa- in New York? Well, only in New York and only and everywhere else, $12. Um, Sanders has said if he were elected, he'd sign the Paycheck Fairness Act and wage discrimination based on gender. I mean, can you imagine? It's still not signed. Right. But he mentions it all the time. Women are especially afflicted as we are less likely than men to be insured. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I just, uh, uh, I just jumped ahead. Um, uh, he would blah, blah, blah. He would also increase the minimum wage to $15, and that's what you said, women account for more than half. Even with decent wages, man, many Americans have spiraled into financial ruin from excessive medical costs. Women are especially afflicted, as we are less likely than men to be insured. And our health care expenses tend to be higher. While Clinton says she'll go with what works in Obamacare, Sanders, Medicare for all. Right. That's I the should, difference. Exactly. Freaking difference. That's, see, that's the difference. Right. And that's the big difference. And, that's, and I believe that that's because Hillary placates her donors. Right. She and, has and, to. And I right. believe if she didn't think about the money, I believe Hillary would do all the right things. Uh, she might. But, so, she, but she's but in bed with them permanently exactly, now. And look exactly. At, and her husband. And by the way, the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP, which promises to bring jobs, but mostly the kind that exploit poor women in the developing world. American women also stand to lose the TPP will enable corporations to outsource low-wage majority female jobs and some high-wage ones, too. Clinton has been, it says here, woolly on the TPP. I'm not even sure what that means. what that means. But most likely because her husband is among the world's premier trade liberalizers. Well, in other words, he did NAFTA. Bill Clinton did NAFTA and God, GATT and, whatever, and, and, and all of that is why we have 100,000 less factories here now because we have no jobs. We make nothing here. Bernie wants to bring it all back. Tariffs, make sure we're not just outsourcing and inversions and like companies right. you know, pay 22 cents an hour. So he's a purist. That's the political revolution. It's all about the people. Can you imagine it would be forever? Anyone listening to this who's younger than we are, it's like pre-Reaganism. There was a time in the 50s and 60s and 70s where we lived in a country where... There was a middle class. Yeah, there was a middle class, and you actually could not be hanging you know, by, the, by your fingernails. You could like live a life, and yeah. you could get by without having to kill yourself because you're worth more dead than alive, basically. Um, and so, you had some job protections, you know. And you had some job protections. So, it's, it's, so Bernie Sanders, and we'll continue to talk about this in each week. We're going to talk about Bernie every <laughs> week. Every freaking week. All the show <laughs> until he but we gets want to compare elected. and contrast. Um, uh, and we will have and we'll and contrast, and we will, um, you know, and we'll have fun with uh, the various uh, debates going forward. But I did want to get to today before yeah, what was the, the last end of the segment? hour. Well, the last segment um, actually is about women's rights in the workplace. What this show is about, and what 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 has happened here in New York. Let me just find it. Um, we well, first of all, you were talking about the minimum wage just now, and New York. So we all know that first of all, the minimum wage. What's the minimum wage? The federal minimum wage is still seven and a quarter an hour. So mm-hmm. people seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour. Are you sure it's not eight? No, or that's well. New York. New York is eight seventy-five. Eight seventy-five, and it's going up okay. to nine so next year. So the federal is still seven. It's still seven and a quarter, and the, there are two Republican candidates, only two of the fifteen left that actually think it's a good idea to raise the minimum wage. One is Santorum, and I forgot who, it doesn't matter, it was another one who has no, I think it's one of the no lower tier guys, Lindsey Graham or one of them. 
Um, they they believe that yes, you should definitely. Oh, it was a Pataki, so definitely no chance of winning. Pataki. Yes, it he's should be raised. <laughs> he's a tacky boy. So they believe both uh, Santorum and Pataki said no, we should raise the minimum wage by fifty cents over three years. Yeah. Can you spare it? So to seven seventy five over three years, as if it's not as our governor, who's no liberal, but Governor Cuomo said very recently, a couple of days ago, in a speech where he is proposing New York raise its minimum wage to fifteen dollars and right. is advocating strongly for it, like San Francisco and Seattle right. have done. And, and the, but the reason is not because you have to be a bleeding heart. The reason is we subsidize we us we right. subsidize the McDonald's worker right. who, who, through welfare because they can't exactly. pay. Why are we paying Walmart, the richest family? In the country, why are we paying their workers so they can get food stamps from SNAP? Right. Okay, so obviously the minimum, and so this is a significant issue. So in New York, and I just want to go to, we have a raft of new laws, which is very exciting, and I just want to talk about it here. Women's Equality, I think it was called. The Women's Equality Agenda that actually passed. And that actually, they tried to, or they have, created a party, the Women's Equality Party. That's right, that's right. That, uh, you know, I did a little work with now on trying to promote and stuff. Right. But it, I, don't right. it really I don't think it got on the ballot. Yeah, it's not. But what it did do. But it did start the conversation. Right. And, and, and it also got snuck past even the Republicans in our Senate because all but one passed with flying colors. Any year that they've not been able to pass any of these reforms, which were revisions to the New York State human rights law, which is New York State, the entire state's discrimination laws as they pertain to women. They're not yet in effect, but they're just waiting for Cuomo's signature. And here's what they are. Equal pay. So first of all, the new law, employers are not legally allowed to pay a worker less because of her sex. Unfortunately, some employers still do. That's why New York has strengthened its equal pay law in several ways. What does it do and how is it strengthened? Uh, by the way, I'm reading from our friends at um, their, uh, their, their PDF on this legislation Perfect. at abetterbalance.org. Um, what does this law do? The law tightens exceptions in the previous version of the law, which allowed employers to cite nearly any factor other than sex, whether it was legitimate or otherwise, to justify a pay differential between a man and a woman. Under the new law, if your employer pays you differently than someone of the opposite sex, then, and which is almost always man to female, because it's not sex, it's not gender specific, but it's always women who get paid less, then that differential has to be job-related and consistent with business necessity. The law also now states that an employer can't prohibit you from inquiring about, discussing, or disclosing your wages or the wages of a coworker at work. This important new protection promotes transparency to shine a light on unfair pay practices. And if you can prove your employer paid you differently in a willful way, like intentionally violating your rights because you're a woman, then you can get up to three times the amount of money from your employer that you lost from being underpaid. This whole thing about being able to talk about it, too, which is the problem, because right now, still right now in New York and under federal law, you can't talk about it. The employer right, says, you, you can't get find fired. out. You get yeah. fired. So, and, and right now, every single year, this very law that passed, this equal pay law, is a federal legis- legis- legislation called the Paycheck Fairness Act, which gets blocked every year by every Republican. But it would be doing Except the same thing. Obama did... Federal contractors, right. right. Federal contractors. That's so that right. was where he had the control and the That's right. ability to do it. Right. Federal contractors must pay. Right. It has to be clear, trans- or whatever, but clear and transparent. Right. Pregnancy accommodations. Um, if you're, this is the new, new new law in New York State. Throughout the state, these both of these laws and the pregnancy law, in particular, are already laws. The expanded version 
in New York City. Yeah, the law itself wasn't enough. We keep having to get clearer and clearer <laughs> well, and impress well, the point. Because, well, right, because you can't discriminate against someone being pregnant, and they find these loopholes. Right. So we have to keep right. saying. Well, well, here's the loophole that we have to say to the dude. The dude is like, dude, she's pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm eight months pregnant. Right. Can, can you, you know, catch my drift? I, I peed 35 times today. I need you. Remember your wife was pregnant? Your mother was pregnant? Your daughter was pregnant, asshole? I need you to let me go to the bathroom five more times. I, you see the size of my ankles from standing here all day because I'm, I weigh 60 pounds more? Because I'm carrying a baby and you only weigh 60 pounds more because you're a slob? I have to sit down occasionally because I'm going to get, you know, whatever that is in my, right. you know, in my phlebitis or something. I, and my doctor is saying I need to. The, 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 why it's not clear yet is because that's still not, you know, they don't have to do it. They don't have to do it generally if it's not a real disability. If it's just, oh, she's a pregger, you know, she's got the, too bad. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Um, then, so, that, so it's, you know, it's, it's just that we can't fire you when you tell us you're pregnant, but we don't have to give you all these accommodations. Except now, here's what the new law says. If you're working while pregnant or recovering from childbirth, you don't have to risk your health to stay at your job. New York state law now guarantees you an explicit right to a reasonable workplace accommodation so you can keep earning a paycheck when you need it most. What does the law do? The law strengthens anti-discrimination protections for pregnant employees and postpartum mothers who work in New York state. Under the new law, employers have to allow employees with pregnancy-related medical conditions to make changes to their work duties or schedule in order to stay healthy. What an idea. Unless it would be, and the only, the only reason they wouldn't, couldn't, don't have to, unless it's a so-called, quote-unquote, undue hardship. These changes, are also, these, these changes are called reasonable accommodations to the employee. So here are some quick examples of accommodations that you might need at work. Light duty, help with lifting or a temporary transfer to a less physically demanding position. Breaks to drink water. Don't, you know, uh, you're, too, you're too good. Occasional breaks to rest. Time off for recovery from childbirth. What a surprise. Modified work schedule. Because, by the way, this time off for recovery from childbirth, unless you're covered by the FMLA, you don't necessarily get enough time if your employer says, I'm giving you three weeks. Now they have to give you enough time. Am I covered if you're pregnant, recovering from childbirth, or have a related medical condition and work for or applying to work for an employer in New York State who has four or more employees, you're covered when this becomes law, probably by the end of the year. You know, where I've noticed this is really abused or is unfortunate when it happens is nurses, hospitals, CNAs, nurses. So what their jobs are are to turn 300-pound men or or women, 300-pound women. They have to turn patients. And women and nurses tend to have to do this on their own. Right. Well, when they're pregnant, they just can't really do it. EMT people. And look what happened to that one today. Okay, yeah, well. Well, but it happens because they drive right. you out. But it, but it, you think about the UPS driver. Well, they can't lift up the boxes. But there are a lot of jobs that require, you know, that aren't, that aren't just construction that are, right. you know, that require some kind of lifting. And so right. somebody else just has to come in, flip the bo- flip the body, and I'll go back in and wash them. But right. I can't flip them. Right. But they use that as an excuse to, exactly. to mess with And they mess the with them until they quit. Right. Family status. And then they're really screwed. Yes. Okay, keep going. New law. Almost. Family status. 
brand new law. Your employer can't fire you or otherwise discriminate against you based on a number of protected cat. Well, this is just stating that, you know, you can't be fired or treated differently in New York or anywhere based on sex, disability, or pregnancy. But now New York's legislature has added one more to this list, family status. Parents who parents who work in New York State are now protected from discrimination, meaning your employer can't penalize you because you have children under 18. For instance, under the law, mothers and fathers are entitled to the same treatment as their co-workers without children. Right. So that's important. So this is the manager who doesn't like you anymore because you can't work 80 hours a week or right. because that's right. rather than going to some work function after work, you choose to go to the graduation play at your kid's school or right. parent-teacher right. night. It it remains to be seen how this is going to play out because I can already hear all the problems with it. But but the new law makes it illegal for an employer to discriminate against workers with children. So, for example, your boss can't fire you because you're adopting kids and she thinks you won't be as dedicated to your work, number one. Or two, a company can't refuse to hire you just because you're a single mother. Right. Okay, so same thing if you work in New York. It's the same thing. Same thing. Right. Okay, but that's really important. Breastfeeding, new human rights law in New York. I thought that already passed it, in New it York. Did, it didn't. That was, I think, you're thinking of Obamacare, be, where you, you know, they had to provide it. New York City. Oh, New, New York, York City. City. New York City. Okay, Everything in New York City, City right, is way ahead State. of the Got game. Got it. Yes. Breastfeeding. Now, nursing moms throughout New York are entitled to reasonable break time, and employers must make reasonable efforts to provide a private space in order for moms to express breast milk. Again, what a novel idea in a civilized world. To raise awareness about these important rights, New York is adding an explanation you have to explain <laughs> to these protections to the Breastfeeding Mother's Bill of Rights, a brochure given to new and expecting moms in maternal health care facilities like a hospital. And so your employer must give you time to express milk for your baby. This means you may use paid breaks to pump, or if you don't get paid breaks, you're legally entitled to unpaid breaks of 20 minutes or 30 if you need extra time to get to the space where you can express the milk every three hours or as needed. Your employer must give you a clean private space other than a bathroom where you can pump with no interruption unless doing so would cause your employer significant difficulty or expense. Your employer must give you written information about your rights. In addition, they may not discriminate against you in any way or allow a work environment that is hostile to your rights for choosing to express breast milk in work. And again, why is this like, wow, new legislation? Exactly. That took, like, why is that? I'm sure in right. indigenous cultures for centuries, they yes. you, know, you express well. milk. It's my kid. It's my wife. And here's my favorite of the last of the new New York State revisions. Um, sexual harassment, formerly in New York, um, you were protected only if your employer had four or more employees, whereas in, in federal law, under federal law, you have to have 15 employees to have a sexual harassment case. Now in New York, once Cuomo signs off on this, one employee. Right. You don't need so any think in- dentists, right. doctors, lawyers, accountants, right. every office where there might just be two or three people. You're the only person. Right. And your accountant, doctor, lawyer, whomever, bodega owner, is sexually harassing you. Over the years, so many times we've had to yeah. say, bummer, Sorry. it's just a bummer. There are three exactly. employees. You don't have a right. case. You have no, no case. So now once this is signed, this is, this is a, this is That's a huge, big one. as Donald Trump would huge. say. Huge. And also nail salon workers, I'll just mention. I know. You know, i got to say, that one's really <laughs> seems. Random? Yeah. It just, I'm, I'm friendly with a nail salon owner. Yeah. And the rules and the things she has to do now seem 
What, to not kill your employees? I mean, all this is saying is the dangerous and illegal working conditions found in some nail salons have drawn a lot of attention. In response, New York has passed a law and new emergency regs to ensure safe and fair working conditions for nail salon workers. What does your friend have to do? They require nail salon employers to provide safety equipment and proper ventilation. The law creates a registration system for nail salon workers who haven't yet been licensed. These trainees are eligible for the same protections as other workers. The regs require your employer to ensure that they have funds available to pay you um, if you bring a lawsuit against them. This means that your employer should have money available to make you whole if you ever have to sue them. I mean, look. It's I, like, I mean, why are they picking a, on nail salons? Because I know, because that whole thing. That you know, no, getting paid but it's the whole make sure they have the money, the masks, All the right, whole well, thing. Well, anyway. You know, we don't feel bad for the nail salons when these workers are often, only because they're also our most vulnerable well, folks. Well, maybe it's just they're that just she runs a nice aliens. business and treats I them see. really well. Uh, okay, well, then it should be easy to do this probably. It right? is, but them. it's still, now it's a law, not just because she's doing the right thing. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, these are the new laws in New York that are still not in in effect yet, but will be once um, Governor Cuomo actually picks up his pen and signs it. And what's interesting, as we were discussing earlier, is that we don't know when this will happen. And and just no today, one has <laughs> the no, update. No one has the update. So today, the I, I spent a little time calling around Governor's office, the State Division of Human Rights, lawyers I know that should know, and people are saying we just don't know. And I left them at, you know, I spoke with the, the governor's press office, and they said they'll get back to me and hadn't as of showtime. So we'll find out, and we'll give an update next time. But I, I understand that, that it's supposed to happen by the end of the year. And, of course, all of this, you know, what I just read to you um, about these laws, these new laws, this is pretty much New York. I mean, I don't know exactly other San Francisco, L.A., New York, and I don't know where else, and other somewhat progressive uh, jurisdictions that have their own human rights laws have these types of, although I don't know, I think this is probably still the California most advanced. Has. I don't know how many employees are required, but, and California tends to be ahead of the curve on all of it. Um, but certainly under federal law now, none of this, none of this is law. And although much of it, as I mentioned, equal pay, pregnant, pregnant, uh, pregnancy fairness act, the pregnant fairness act, is that the act? And the paycheck fairness act, um, are under constantly, uh, you know, uh, led, um, constantly submitted by our progressive caucus, but always going um, nowhere. They go nowhere because they are filibustered. It's like bullying in the workplace. Another topic we'll revisit again this year. Okay, right. So we have one minute left, and I will just um, remind mention, people. remind people next week. Please tune in and please give us a call at eight 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 seven four four eight 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 or at. One eight six six femlaws. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Let us know if you'd like to be a part time basis, if possible, or or full time. If you have the wherewithal to help us produce and put together a fine show with your assistance, um, and we look forward to hearing from anybody uh, who wants to assist with that. So, having said all that and getting ready to sign off, it is the eve of Yom Kippur to our Jewish listeners who are no longer listening because it's too late and they're starting their fast. Have a strong and powerful and easy fast. Thank you very much. And we look forward to being with you next week on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Progressive Radio Network. Uh, Gary Knoll's outstanding uh, forum for people who, again, the same among us. So, 
Have a strong and powerful week. And remember, if you have a job and it ain't going well, don't quit. There you go. Thank you, Deborah. Do not quit your job before you get legal advice because you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater, sisters and brothers. We'll see you next week. Until then, be healthy. Time is now.